Welcome to the Startup Fashion Week Front Row Podcast, where we give listeners exclusive content inside the crazy world of fashion. My name is Jody Goodfellow, founder and producer of Startup Fashion Week, and today we have a special guest to celebrate our first episode. We are talking to someone who has been part of the Startup Fashion Week family since the beginning, Vanessa Corrali. Hi, Vanessa. How's it going? Hi, Jody. I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today to talk on our podcast. You're welcome. So I wanted to talk to you specifically for our first episode because you've been with us since the very beginning and you've been part of our experience, our journey um, in so many different ways. And so I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, Specifically, you were part of our very first show as a designer and a model. Um, So before we jump into the details of that experience, I wanted to talk to you about what motivated you initially to start getting involved in the field of fashion. You know, um, what what inspired you to create your first collection and how old were you? So I was 15 years old when I first started designing and I showcased my collection at Startup Fashion Week in 2014 at the age of 16. So that was pretty young. Yeah, I'd say for sure. My mother is quite experienced in tailoring, so she taught me how to sew and we worked on my first collection together. The motivation to actually create my first collection uh, came from others suggesting to me that I produce a full collection. Uh, More specifically, I take some of the clothing my mother made with me to photo shoots as a model. And when I was working on a photography exhibit with uh, Miles Sexton, who is a well-known fashion influencer, makeup artist, and model, I'm sure you remember Miles. Oh, yeah, definitely. I know Miles, yeah. Uh, He suggested that I put together a full collection for a runway show event, and that motivated me to start working on one. That's so cool. I had no idea. I didn't realize that um, this all kind of started as kind of a, I guess, a combination of the experience from your mom and her, you know, ability to to work in fashion and, and stuff like that, as well as the influence of Miles, which is really cool. It's It's so neat to see that, you know, creatives inspire other creatives. That's really cool. For sure. So back in 2014, you were part of the inaugural Startup Fashion Week event as a designer and a model. So what was that experience like to do both? Uh, So to be quite honest, it was hectic, but lots of fun, and I definitely learned a lot. Uh, Being a designer comes with a lot of responsibility and the pressure to make sure your clothing is presented in the best way possible. Of course. Yeah, and like the day of the show, I had to balance both the role of being a designer for my own collection and walking for three other designers. Yeah, that's right. I forgot completely that you were in other shows as well. So that's even that even complicates things, you know, on a, on a much larger level. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I believe it was Atelier Guarin, Goma Fashion, and Clad. Right. Okay. But like for me personally, I enjoyed the busy nature of the show and taking on both responsibilities. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, if anyone um, who's listening has never been backstage during a show, it's pretty hectic, even if you're just participating in one show. So being involved in, in so many different ways as a designer, as a model and modeling for other designers, it's just it's super <laughs> complicated. The energy is crazy. Um, you know, there's so many people backstage also, right? The hair team, the makeup team, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty wild experience. So, um, I'm curious, like, did you, have you participated in other shows previously to start up fashion week? 
Yeah, I showcased my uh, fall-winter 2014 collection in April at Fashion Art Toronto at the age of 15. Then my next collection was part of a charity event uh, which raised money for the Pan-Off program at Mount Sinai. And then after that, I showcased my second collection more formally for Startup Fashion Week in October. Okay, so there was a little bit of a build-up. You had some experience. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't your first um, experience as, as a designer or a model. Um, so I guess that kind of gave you a little bit of a, you know, a, an advantage um, in order to prepare for this kind of experience. Um, yeah. So what was your favorite moment, I guess, of participating in year one of Startup Fashion Week? It was our first event ever. And, you know, even I didn't know what was going to happen or what to expect, quite honestly. So what was your favorite moment or some of your favorite takeaways, even though it was so long ago? um, You know, what do you remember the most? What stands out the most? Hmm. Like, it's hard to remember that far back. But I feel like one of my favorite moments in the show were the quick changes, both for my own models and as a model for other designers. And that's because the ability to be able to change the hair, the makeup and the outfits so quickly with back to back shows demonstrated how good the collaboration was between the designers, models and stylists at Startup Fashion Week. It was definitely a tough but rewarding feat to accomplish. And I'm pretty sure it gave everyone a rush of adrenaline. Yeah, no, it absolutely did. And even I myself remember, um, you know, when I first walked into the event venue um, and what people don't realize is even though I'm the executive producer of Startup Fashion Week, I also have another, I have a full-time job teaching. So when I walked in to the venue at like four o'clock after a full day of teaching, I was just so overwhelmed. There was so much happening already. You know, everybody was there. The models were getting ready. Half of them were ready. Half of them were still getting ready. The hair team was in full force. Same with the makeup team. Um, Everybody was just buzzing around. The energy was crazy. And it's just... It's such an overwhelming and exciting experience to be part of something like that. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I for me, that was definitely, you know, a major, you know, something that I really remember. Um, What was the sorry? Go ahead. There was like a a sense of uh, we're all working together to make this work and be the best possible event it can be. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I feel like um, being a designer also helped me to relate to my fellow designers at the event and become a better model in general because of the empathetic aspect of being able to see the situation from both sides. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, quite honestly, I don't think that's very common to be perfectly honest, like with designers, they don't often model in their own show, but I can see how that would be um, a major benefit. Um, yeah, definitely. So I'm curious, like, I'm trying to think back in terms of your collection and what you were showing. Can you mm-hmm. tell our listeners a little bit about the collection that you had at that time, way back in 2014? Um, what were you showing? And, um, you know, it was our first runway show, but um, you were saying that it was the first runway show where you formally um, showed that specific collection. So tell us about that. Yeah. Sure. So the collection was actually inspired by the Disney film Frozen. It's one of my favorite films of all time. And <laughs> yeah, so that is where I got the uh, idea for my color scheme from. 
I used a white folks fur and cold tones and light pinks, blues, and silvers to portray that sort of icy winter look I was going for. Yeah, I remember um, a lot of texture, a lot of layers of fabric, um, and you know, a lot of very different a, a variety of, of fabric as well being used in that collection. Um, and you know, it was so fascinating. I think we even had you actually close this show. Yes, it's true. Yeah, we had you close the show. Um, how many pieces did you showcase that year? Uh, I believe I showcased 10 garments at the event, and they were all uh, evening wear pieces with uh, small folks for boleros. I also featured quite a few satin and lace dresses in the collection. Right, okay, yeah, it it um, it definitely was um, worth seeing at the very end. Like, you made a statement for sure. Um, and you, of course, closed your own show. Is that correct? When you were modeling in your own show, you closed the show? Uh, it's, it's always fun to uh, model in your own show because you get to see from a firsthand experience what the audience thinks of your collection. Uh, although you're focused on getting a good shot for the cameras while walking down the runway, it's always nice to see the faces and reactions of the audience, uh, especially when walking in your finale. So like logistically, like it was easier for me to close the show than to place myself uh, at the beginning or in the middle, because then I can see and make sure that all the quick changes and uh, the styling is perfect for the other models before I have to go out. Yeah, true. And you mentioned, you know, the presentation in front of the cameras. And something I remember about you is even though you were so young, um, you actually had networks already, which was so impressive. And you invited photographers to come and actually shoot for you, um, which I thought was really interesting. And and, you know, I learned so much because obviously I didn't come into this with experience of producing a fashion week or a fashion shows. That was my first one. And so I learned from a lot of people. And I realized even from you, I, I learned that how important it is to have networks in this industry. Um, and, you know, for you as a designer or as a model, having those connections with photographers is crucial. For sure. And uh, I definitely recommend that like anybody who's starting new, like as a model or a designer, they need to uh, make sure they develop a good relationship with photographers and videographers in the event that they need something done uh, in the future for promotion or to be able to uh, enhance their portfolios and such. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And of course, lots has changed for you personally and professionally since uh, the inaugural year of Startup Fashion Week. So I assume, obviously, you've graduated high school now. Yes. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about what you're doing in your life now. Uh, yeah, sure. So I actually just finished an honors Bachelor of Science at the University of Toronto, and I'm attending law school in the fall. That's amazing. Congrats. So where do you, where do you think that's going to take you? So I've had an interest in uh, health and intellectual property law through my fashion and schooling endeavors for quite some time. So, you know, maybe like it's possible that I could do a little bit of fashion law in the future because that intersects with intellectual property, too. Um, so in the end, I kind of decided that uh, law school was what I wanted to pursue. Right. I haven't exactly uh, narrowed down uh, what area I'd like to work in, but I would love to work as an in-house lawyer for a large tech company or maybe a fashion company or for hospitals. So we'll see. 
Yeah, that would be interesting to see you um, being able to sort of intersect those two worlds, because I'm sure it doesn't happen very often, <laughs> right? Um, and you never know who's listening. There may be opportunities out there for you. And um, of course, that's what, you know, doing things like this, having conversations and sharing that information with other people, that's what it's all about. You just never know. And, and that's what I love about being an event producer is is seeing all the magical moments happen when, you know, people get inspired from other people, people learn from other people, people connect with other people. And then, of course, opportunities and magic happens. And I absolutely love that. Um, so are you still designing and modeling now? Like what is going on with that end of your career? What, what's happening there? So at the moment, I'm still doing both. I, I consider it more of a professional hobby, but I continue to do it because I love to do it. So uh, my brand name is Vanica by Vanessa Crowley, and my website is vanikadesign.com. Amazing. So I'm curious, can people actually go onto your website? Can they buy your pieces? Is it custom? Uh, do you have ready to wear? Or is this purely just a creative outlet for you? So I actually prefer to keep the majority of my pieces. And the reason for that is because I rent them out for things like hair competitions, music videos. And oh, as cool. I yeah. had no idea. That's really cool. Yes. Yeah, so like, you know, like people can borrow them for events and like I just charge like a dry cleaning fee instead because that way uh, the profit is better than if I just sell something for $200 once, you know? Amazing. And so there you go for um, designers who might be listening, who maybe never thought of a revenue strategy like that. Um, that's very possible. So that's really cool. That's interesting. I, I myself never even really considered that. So I'm really happy to hear you found something that kind of makes you happy and keeps keeps you going with your creative um, professional hobby. I think that's amazing. Um, so when you're putting a collection together for a show, how do you decide the order in which they're going to be seen? And how do you select the models for each piece in your show? So I first decide on an overall color scheme for my collections. For example, the 2014 one, as I mentioned, was the silver, light pinks, and light blues. Then I try to source the fabrics locally in those colors. Uh, that entire collection, I believe, was actually mostly made of like satin and then curtain fabrics that were lace. So oh my goodness, that's I amazing. It was very uh, cost-effective, for sure. Um, I usually design uh, pieces in pairs where the second one transitions into the next color or fabric style. For example, uh, two light pink pieces could follow two silver ones, as long as the second pink piece has a little bit of silver fabric or a similar style to the third garment. I uh, purposely try to design collections to flow from piece to piece by using this method. That's a lot of thinking. There's a lot of logistics involved in that. Um, that's pretty yeah. impressive, actually. And I, I honestly had no idea in terms of the thought process of a designer and, and how how you actually come to that decision. Um, you know, I, I often wonder that myself when I see the designers, um, you know, backstage and, and everything. And I'm sure that those decisions probably change a few times as well. I've seen that happen as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. uh, models like uh, I like to select a wide variety of looks and heights. So, like I feel like uh, height diver height diversity is definitely something we need more of in this industry. Like, who says a five foot five girl can't rock a ball gown down the runway? Like, I think in uh, many ways the walk and the energy of the model that they bring when they showcase the garment are more important than height. 
I couldn't agree more. I absolutely, I mean, we've had so many different models, different shapes, different sizes, and you're absolutely right. It, it really doesn't matter um, in terms of how tall someone is. It's all about the presentation and the personality and exactly, you know, how they are, how they are wearing it, basically. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I know that you have been published as well as a model as well and a designer in different magazines. Um, what sort of process have you had success with getting published? Uh, so it used to be that submissions uh, to magazines were handled via email, but a few years ago, a submission platform called Caviar appeared, and now all magazines follow the same guidelines, which makes submitting to them a lot easier in general. Oh, cool. Yeah. So in terms of getting submissions accepted, you really have to get a sense for what certain magazines want, what their aesthetic is, and make sure to follow their rules. Uh, I tend to read a few of their past issues to get a sense of what kind of stories they accept before submitting. It's very important, I feel, that an editorial has a cohesive theme and that the clothing and styling is cohesive and come together to create a consistent story. Yeah, so like, for example, uh, once I shot a cover editorial called Cloud Nine, and the concept involved shooting white evening and modern garments in a green field with a blue sky and large white clouds in the background. So the whole concept came together like a kind of like a peaceful sanctuary of sorts, which matched the title Cloud Nine well. So like, it's important to have this cohesive story. Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, and, and, you know, it also sounds time consuming, quite honestly. So what is for the sure. time frame for something like that when you submit something? And then when do you hear back? Like, how long does that usually take? So like, you could maybe spend a, a couple of days just making a mood board and then contacting the people you want to work on the shoot, you have to schedule the time so that everybody has a, one certain time that they can all do the project on. And uh, you have to get a designer or a stylist, photographer, makeup, hair. And then let's say you get together uh, and do the shoot in a week or two. Then after that, I have to take the photos, for example, edit them. That could take maybe a week. And then after that, you submit them. And you could hear back within a couple of days to a week or later. And then to publish it after that, it could take up to a month or two months. So you could be looking at a time frame of up to two months for one editorial. Wow, that's a lot of time. But and you know, I know that you actually have experience with editing and stuff like that. And of course, that's not very common. A lot of designers don't have that kind of experience, that technical experience. So um, so that gives you a bit of an advantage and probably shortens the time frame uh, in comparison to others, right? For sure. I feel like uh, the more editorials you work on, the easier it gets to understand what these magazines want. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you start like as a model and then I kind of wanted like more control over the creative projects I was doing. So that's why I became a designer, a photographer, a retoucher. And like I started planning editorials as well themselves. And that really helped me to publish this work successfully. Yeah, yeah, I bet, for sure. Um, and I'm curious, because I think it's important to obviously support other creatives and, and everything else. I know that you've, you've participated in so many other shows. Um, so aside from your brand, has there been another Canadian designer that you have walked for that you really enjoyed that was really memorable? And what made it like so enjoyable? I actually really enjoyed walking for Gigi Wang. Uh, she was also a startup fashion Oh, designer. cool. Yeah, she was. Yeah. 
as she infused uh, aspects of traditional Chinese culture into her clothing with a modern twist and futuristic silhouettes. And I really admired her ability to make the traditional look modern. Um, it's always fun to also see the rest of the Startup Fashion Week community at the shows every year. And I think that's what made the experience of modeling in her line most enjoyable for me. Yeah, I remember her collection and it was very elaborate, very ornate um, and so many details. Uh, it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating to watch on the runway for sure. For sure. <laughs> and of course, you've been to a lot of events and you've been behind the scenes in so many different ways um, that we've already talked about as a model in the media pit, as a designer, etc. What is your favorite and why, why is it your favorite? I'd have to say probably modeling because you just get this rush of adrenaline and confidence when you walk down the runway in a cool outfit. And like what girl doesn't want to feel pretty and confident? I think that was one of the main reasons why in the first place as a kid, I wanted to do modeling. Yeah, I bet. Okay. So, so modeling is your first passion. Um, and then would you say that design is your second? Yeah, I, I'd say so. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, when it comes to fashion events in Toronto, uh, what do you what do you think some of the reasons might be behind um, why some of them survive and some of them don't? You've been to so many, so I'm sure you have insights on what you've seen work and maybe what hasn't worked. Oh, I think oh, that's a very tough question. But in general, though, I think it's more of an issue with an events business model. At the end of the day, if the event cannot find a balance between how much it costs to produce the event, their ticket sales potential and the ability to attract designers and solve existing problems designers are facing in the fashion industry in a new way, they will unfortunately go out of business. Yeah, and, and we've seen so many... Um, different platforms come and go over the years, right? Um, and I know that's a burning question for a lot of people, not just here in Toronto, but all over because there's so much changing. And of course, the world of fashion changes so quickly, right? And it's, it's so difficult for a lot of event producers to keep up in terms of delivering a program that people want to actually see and are willing to actually pay for. Um, yeah. But it's also, you know, difficult for designers um, to also keep up as well, right, with all of the changes that are happening in the industry. Um, sure. So I'm sure just getting, you know, that insight from someone who's been behind the scenes in different ways, I think is very helpful. Um, yeah. So what are some of the craziest things that you've ever seen happen at a fashion event? I mean, everybody loves, you know, hearing all the the juicy details of what goes wrong or, or what was unexpected, what kind of challenges that people have experienced. So tell us what you have seen or, or, or witnessed or been a part of. So I think I'm going to start with a positive one. So I think one thing that takes the cake is when startup fashion, Week had a gigantic lights robot walk down the runway. <laughs> the show on you <laughs> that was really cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah um we we try to open our show with um something that's uh you know entertaining and interesting and different um just to get the crowd going and yeah that definitely was uh, a lot of fun having that giant robot walk down the runway it was it was it was uh it was a, a good memory for sure for sure and I mean, there are several other good ones that I could think of, like a model getting her ponytail accidentally cut off during a quick change. No way. Yeah. Oh my and gosh, that's awful. 
Yeah, the worst part was is that, you know, because they sewed her into the dress and they had to quickly try to cut cut her out of it. And then they didn't even tell her until she finished walking for the <gasps> other designer because they were afraid she would freak out about it, you know? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so full disclosure, that didn't happen at Startup Fashion Week, correct? No, that was a different event. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, that's that's quite something. Oh, my goodness. And how did the model react afterwards when she found out? Uh, I to be honest, I didn't get to see it because oh. I was another show right away. But yeah, we were all like so silent backstage after that happened. Oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. Wow, that is and, you know, quite a story. Yeah like, yeah, like at other shows, I've seen things like a confused lady uh, walk through a show for two minutes, protesters crash a show, a model lose the designer's pants right before a show started because they tried it on and they forgot to put it back on the rack beforehand and things like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you it's hard to ever, you know, have a fashion show without some kind of, you know, small chaos happening. So it, it's bound to happen, right? But, um, but yeah, those are some crazy stories for sure. <laughs> um, so you... Um, participated at Startup Fashion Week since year one. And in fact, you've been a part of our show and a part of our journey every every year since then. So you've showcased your designs even at our fifth anniversary event. And um, that was also Canada's anniversary celebration as well. So we had you um, showcase two of your looks at the beginning of the show. You came out um, I think it was the year that we had the Toronto Police Pipes and Drums Band open the show. Yeah, yeah. So we've had you part of the experience in so many different ways. Um, how have you seen Startup Fashion Week change over the years? So the event has definitely changed and grown a lot during the years. Um, from the venue to the audience, the number of locations and the places the show has taken place. It's definitely grown into an influential fashion event not just in Toronto, but other places across Canada as well. And as I mentioned, as you've mentioned before, it's the first and only multi-city fashion week in Canada, which I think is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's been a lot of work to grow it. But, um, you know, like it's, it's, it's been an experience that we've all learned from, I think. And, um, you know, having the right people on board, um, guiding me and guiding each other, I think is really kind of part of the magical ingredient that keeps it you know growing and moving and changing all the time for sure um so how long do you intend to continue your pursuit in fashion as a designer and as a model so for me personally i always thought of my activities in fashion to be more of an extracurricular professional hobby of mine this is mainly because, as I've said before, I, I intended to either pursue uh, medicine or law. And since I decided to go to law school, I do have to focus right now on that. However, who knows? There may be a fashion-related intellectual property club at our school I can join. And hopefully in the future, I can continue to contribute to the fashion industry as a lawyer, too. Amazing. And overall, how did your participation at Startup Fashion Week have an impact on you and your creative endeavors? So Startup Fashion Week's events in general have shown me what an inclusive, innovative, and uh, forward-thinking fashion event should look like. I think that events like Startup Fashion Week are essential for new designers to be a part of so that they can get the exposure and the support that they need to uh, start running their businesses successfully. And I encourage those who are interested in the business of fashion to definitely apply. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that's amazing and very well said. And, um, you know, we love having you at our events and hopefully that continues for years to come in whatever capacity that might be, of course. Um, so before we end our conversation, I'm going to ask you to do um, a fun little activity where it's going to be a fill in the blank. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions where I'm going to have you just fill in the blanks for me. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. So the first question I have for you is, if you could model for any designer, it would be? I'd say Alexander McQueen. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Um, second question. Your favorite material to work with is? Uh, folks fur. Really? Okay. Yeah. Number three. One word to describe Canadian fashion is? Dynamic. Oh, that's a great word. Yeah, I, absolutely. I agree. Number four, something that might surprise our listeners about you is? Um, this is not one word, or but I actually have a favorite hobby, which is uh, figure skating. Oh, cool. No way. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So number five, last question. Um, the last time that you supported another creative in this industry was? Always, because I, I think I've been supporting other creatives uh, on a continual basis for a long time. As I said, I've been helping photographers, designers, models, and makeup artists, hairstylists get their work published since I was 14 on a continual basis. Amazing. So that is our conversation with Vanessa. Um, you have given our listeners a lot of insights on your experience and your journey and a lot of information as well on what might be able to help them in their journey. And um, that's what this is all about. Um, I appreciate that you took the time to share all of that with us because I know how hard it is, especially for people who are just st starting out in the industry as a stylist, as a photographer, sure. a model, in whatever capacity, it's hard for them to kind of navigate through this, you know, industry and figure out, you know, how to get started, who are the people that they need to be in contact with. Um, so I think it's great that you were able to share all of that. And of course, it was very special to have you as our first guest on, on our podcast, um, because you've been part of this journey for so long with us in so many different ways. And um, I, I just wanted to say that I appreciate you. And um, I'm inspired by you year after year, all the things that you know, you're doing, not just for Startup Fashion Week, but even in your personal endeavors and your professional endeavors, all the other shows that you're participating in. I think it's incredible. And I think that you know, Toronto is very lucky to have a talent like you. Oh, thank you very much, Jody. And I feel the same way about everything you, that you're doing to uh, help uh, the fashion industry in Toronto and in Canada. Amazing. So you've heard it here all about Vanessa. And um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Vanessa, how is the best way? Uh, they can uh, look up my contact information on my website. My email is there for them. Perfect. All right. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next episode coming soon.